Hello and welcome along to the third episode of the SBK Betting Podcast and I'm really pleased to be joined again by George Baker, Racing Pundit and Tom Collins from the Racing Post. Today we're going to be looking ahead towards Newmarket this Saturday where there's more Group 1 action and we're going to dissect in this episode the Dewhurst Stakes for the two-year-olds over seven furlongs. That's at 2.55 on Saturday. We're also going to have a look at the Autumn Stakes, the Group 3 over the mile for the Juveniles at 2.20. We're then going to have a good look at the big staying handicap. This is Azarich, which is at 3.35. And then we'll end on the Dali Stakes, which features the return of none other than Barney Roy. So a lot to look forward to. We've got some cracking weekends uh, ahead of us of racing again. More Group 1 action. Uh, the Godolphin Blue are going to be out in full force again. Um, they really are dominating this season. And Charlie Appleby is trying to edge closer to Andrew Balding in terms of the Trainers' Championship as well, which uh, will come to, come to a head on Champions Day next weekend. But the Dewhurst Stakes this weekend is the, the race that we've seen essentially future stallions made. You know, St. Mark's Basilica was the winner last year, Pinatubo two years ago, Churchill's won this, Dawn Approach. It's um it's really been the two year old race to to give a good eye as to what you know three year olds and guineas horses there might be for next season. Nathan Trail comes into this race unbeaten for the Appleby team, Tom, and he looks pretty bomb proof as well. And uh is for you is he the real deal? Could he turn into their next Adiar, their next big thing? I think so. Um, I was at Sandown for his debut. Um, I was actually stood alongside Paddock Judge Ken Peterson, who we've seen on, on ITV a few times. Um, and we both saw Native Trail in the Paddock and he just took the eye. He, he was the best horse in the Paddock by a country mile and he proved that on the track. Now, he showed inexperience first time up at Sandown, um, but he really found his stride in the closing in the final furlong. He's a big scopey sort and he was obviously going to improve for each start this year. I thought his superlative victory was really impressive. Um, that race has worked out well. And then last time out in the national states, he beat a horse in Point Lonsdale, who I thought was probably going to win the 2000 Guineas next year. Well, if, if Native Trail turns up in the 2000 Guineas, there is no way that form is going to be reversed. Native Trail is going to improve more than Point Lonsdale, um, in my opinion. And you know what? He's probably the most likely winner um, at Newmarket next year already. He's a short price for the Dewhurst, rightly so. But I think I want to take him on with one at a bigger price, Jess. Oh, we love that. I'm fascinated to know because I've got one at a bigger price that I think has been overlooked. So let's let's hear it. Well, there are, the way the way my brain works during the flat season is I try and watch as many races as I can, and then only a few races stick with me throughout the whole year, and I want to follow that form. One of those races is the Acom. Now, only five runners turned up for this year's Acom. Um, it was won by Royal Patronage, massive shock, twenty-five to one. But Royal Patronage went on to beat Caribus next time. We're going to talk about Caribus coming up. Um, the race, I think, is going to work out really well. Eraz, who finished fifth, returned lame. I think he's a smart horse. Um, we're also going to talk about another horse yeah, coming up, Imperial Fighter, who finished second. Uh, the horse that finished third that race, Dubawi Legend. Hugo Palmer thinks a lot of this horse. He ran uh, with Doncaster on debut, won by five, five lengths. Really impressive, beating a horse called Brazil Power. That race has produced multiple subsequent winners. I thought in the Acom, he ran really nicely. He travelled to the front and looked the most likely winner. Um, with about two furlongs to go, but I don't think the long straight at York suited him. His effort petered out in the closing furlong. Um, he eventually faded into third. I think that Aiken form is good. Now, he's only rated 97. He has plenty of weight to find with the likes of Native Trail in here, and he probably won't beat Native Trail. But if there are the dead eight runners, which there currently are, I think he's a good each way better, around 16 to 1. 
Interesting. Not the one that I was going to mention, but Dabari Legend does obviously have a lot. I know that it was so punchy about him after Doncaster, saying the best two-year-old that they have and all of this. But and he's, as I say, the Royal Patronage form has worked out well, but it was a very flat run. What did you make of him, George, in terms of his profile? And can you forgive him for that last run looking ahead to this after a bit of a break as well? I would have thought so. I was at, um, at York that day when he got beaten and um, I know the Hugo Palmer's team really, really rate this horse. And he was, as Tom was saying, at Doncaster first time out, he looked freakishly good. And I felt at York, um, whether whether it was a long straight, whatever Tom says, he, he feels it maybe the track. I, I just felt he wasn't on his A game that day. He's had a bit of time now and I'm sure they've regrouped, learned from that. And he's a beautiful looking individual and it wouldn't be a massive shock if he runs a really solid race in, in, in this race. But he needs to improve what we've seen. Uh, I think he's a, a as he was going to be my each way tip in the race for sure, um, because I just Hugo Palmer is not someone who gets too carried away. And the way he talks when you see him talk about this horse, you obviously know that his homework is exceptionally good. And I think there's more to come from him for sure. But I think the favourite native trail to get beaten in this race will have to to have to from what we've seen of him today he will have to underperform to be beaten yeah you you have to say so although interestingly i heard an interview with uh charlie appleby sort of uh, he was asked the question who's your best two-year-old and he was pretty certain that caribus has been training like his best two-year-old ahead of native trail which i thought was very interesting now obviously he's priced up accordingly based on the fact that he's unbeaten from three starts my horse that I like and I you know this is resembles similar uh, profile to another horse of Aidan O'Brien's Glunthane or Glunthorn and uh, similarly to Tenebrism who won the Tivoli Park only a few weeks ago is coming into this race off the back of a massive break last time it ran was in April has been for whatever reason if it might I don't know if he's had a setback or they've done this on purpose he's been growing but he won first time out beating Castle Star, who's gone on and been a pretty solid two-year-old this season for Fozzy Stack and ran a very eye-catching race, I thought, last time out in the Middle Park Stakes. Now, obviously, he comes in with a bit of inexperience and he's got to step up an extra furlong as well. But Aidan O'Brien has shown he can do this uh, with horses like Tenebrism. And I think he might be a double-figure price as well. So that's where that's my angle into it. Another son of Kodiak, who's got couple of other runners in this race as well so he's an interesting one that shouldn't be overlooked considering what they did with Tenebrism a couple of weeks ago I thought straight answers straight answers also another one the other son of Kodiak that has come in for a lot of attention guys Tom any reason why we shouldn't be considering this horse Joe Lyons brought another uh, Jubmont horse over um, Sacred Bridge a couple of weeks ago who really bombed out it was quite disappointing that day yeah, Joe Lyons hasn't got a very good record, surprisingly, um, with his runners in Great Britain, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, or older horses. Um, straight answer was really impressive last time at Ferry House. I don't know what he beat. Probably quite a weak field. He's going to have to improve again to trouble the likes of Native Trail. I think there are better each-way plays in the race. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, for both Tom and George, it sounds like Dubawi Legends is a bit of an each-way play, but native trail the solid favorite and i like gloomthorn gloomthane for the the coolmore team um in the colors of mrs stockwell um uh, jp magnus um jo- john magnus sorry mother so those famous colors 
We will head into and move on from um, the Dewhurst Stakes looking ahead. There's a massive day of racing and the next race we're going to look at is another two-year race, the Autumn Stakes, over a mile. Now, these horses as well, similar profiles, a lot of the form sort of links into each other um, and some of these horses also have um, entries for the Guineas come next year as well, which currently Native Trail heads the market for the Guineas anti-post SDK at 92. Caribus, as it stands, with SDK is a 91 shout. And as I mentioned, Charlie Appleby's been very punchy about this horse. What happened, George, from a jockey's perspective? What happened in the Royal Lodge last time? What happened in terms of William Buick's perspective in this race? Because it's fascinating to try and unpick. Well, I don't, I don't think it is that fascinating. I think he rode him like a horse who was going to be raw and green under pressure when he let him down. And he, he, when he gave him a squeeze, he completely lit up. And he just, he just used himself too soon. And, and that stiff finish, Newmarket, he was just caught out late on and, and folded up. Um, I think he's a horse who's shocked Charlie and William how much he's improved in a short period of time. He's obviously given really good signs at home. But I think William approached a race that he wanted to use his stride and let him go on. And I think he was unaware of how quick he's gone. And not that I've ridden many really, really good horses at this level, but I've... Oh, George. I know, well, (laughs) get the violin out. But I think (laughs) William, William obviously didn't feel like he was going that quick. But when you watch it back, it's easy when you're sat on the sofa to say, you just let him go too soon. And he, and he, he would have learned from it, um, digest it and move on. And I think they've got a really smart holes on their hands. So in terms of tactics wise and how William Buick might approach a race like this, knowing that this is a horse that kind of surprised him from the front, would he opt to be just, just not as handy with him? What, what would you do from, as a jockey's perspective, from a jockey's point of view? Well, rhythm is so important in these types of races, and I feel William will, he won't be like ripping the head off him and, and taking him back from the gates. He will just keep things nice and smooth, and he will use his run later. That's all he's got to do is keep his powder dry, keep that conservative, e- even rhythm early doors for, for a longer period of time, and just trust that when he needs him to get him out of trouble and quicken up, as good horses do, he'll do that. Yeah, interesting. There could be a bit of pace on. I know that um, United Nations, the uh, Coolmore horse went on from the front when he won first time out. Um, and, you know, it's a good deep field as well. So there might be a little bit more going forward. Tom, from your perspective, Caribus, you know, looked like a freak last time. Um, he's been, he comes back after only two weeks off the track to, to kind of make amends for that. But he's obviously shown to be a, a horse of real high quality. Can he be beaten? I think he can be beaten, um, saying that he is the most likely winner of the race. He beat four subsequent winners on his debut on the July course. Last time out, I think William Buick was forced to go to the front because Royal Patronage just couldn't uh, keep his speed going. Obviously, he stayed on well in the final furlong when he met the rising ground, stiff finish, um, and really passed Caribus. But Caribus's final section of 13.11 seconds is pretty slow. Between two furlongs and one furlong out, he showed great acceleration, 11.45 seconds. So there's the, a big difference there in your in your sectionals. He strikes me very much like a horse in the same mould as Pinatubo. Um, I don't think he's going to be necessarily the Guineas winner next year. I'd prefer Native Trail, although he's probably a derby horse. Um, I, look, he's a very talented horse. He'll be suited by a, a lead in this race. He is the horse to beat. But again, I'm going to stick with the Aiken form um, and take him on. Interesting. Well, um, Charlie Appleby, Sir Ibim Sura, responsible for the last two winners. They've both been in the Godolphin Blue. And in fact, 
Godolphin's record in this race is pretty uh, pretty bomb-proof over the last few years. Gaius, obviously, a winner, best solution as well. What about the Aidan O'Brien horses? Because the two-year-olds, um, George, in general, bar Tenebrism, who looked brilliant when she won the Chubley Park, they've not set us alight. Obviously, we've seen Point Lonsdale. We've seen him get beaten as well. Um, we've seen Luxembourg. He's sort of come out the woodwork a little bit. And they, they might be striking a little bit of form. Should we take a big, bigger and a better view at some of these Cornwall horses? Because they are pretty nice prices. United Nations, scriptwriter. We don't know a huge amount about them, but we know that Aidan O'Brien doesn't send two-year-olds over for these races for no reason. No, and I think they're always prepared to roll the dice, aren't they, when they've got a team of, they're trying to find stallions every year. But I think Aidan, I watched him being interviewed recently, and he went through a period of time there, um, a month or so ago, where the horses weren't, they weren't disappointing, but they just weren't winning. And he felt that they just weren't in a really rich vein of form. And I feel that that's turning the corner now and ignore his horse at your, at your peril, I think. You know, I think it's always, they've got such a strong, deep team of individuals. You've just got to, and, and I think it's important this time of year to see, we, we chatted about this the last time we were on together, Jess that you've got to see them in the paddock, see what's looking well, because you'll get to that time of year where the weather's changing, horses have sort of had long seasons, or they might be growing and just become a little bit on the weak side. So especially with these later developing two-year-olds, just go and see them and, and watch TVs and see them in the paddock and form an opinion of how you thought they're looking. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there have been some yards as well that have been consistently been in serious form, and the Andrew Balding team, they have not stopped since day one they had a little bit of a quiet patch over the last couple of weeks but they've had sort of three winners over the last few days so imperial fighter for you tom looks like a horse that can uphold that aiken form george where are you sitting with this race and how 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 would how would you how do you see it panning out essentially um so i'm going to take on charlie's horse because i feel um I just feel he's very, he showed loads of speed last time when he got beaten at Newmarket. And as Tom said, those sectionals proved that point. He was folding up. And I um, I know they feel he'll get the mile, no problem. But I'd have preferred to see him over seven furlongs next his next start. Um, I really like the horse of um, Roger Behrens that won at Newbury. He only beat a 79 rated individual on that occasion when breaking his maiden a horse called Dubai Poet, son of Luke de Vega, who showed with plenty of promise first time, hacked up one as, as you like at Newbury last time. Um, and that was 21 days ago. And I just think he's, again, got one of those profiles of a horse who's just going to con- continue to improve. He's been lightly raced to date. And what he ends up being is an unknown, but I just love the way he conducted himself at Newbury. And I think um this is going to be sort of nice, good, good, good soft ground, I would have thought, Newmarket, and it should be perfect for him. Yeah, I I can see the case of him as well. I found this race really tricky to unfold as well. If Caribus is, I think he could be beatable. I think he will be too short. And Dubai Poet, as you say, might just start, go slightly on the, under the radar. His um, win last time looked look pretty smart. So he's entitled to give a race like this a go. So the Autumn Stakes, a bit of a tricky puzzle. Um, horses for the future, middle distance type horses, type pedigrees as well going forward. So very, very interesting all the same. Um, the the day is, gets a little bit uh, more tricky from there on in. The Cesarowicz comes up at 3.35, over two mile, two furlongs. Uh, this is 
a race that's been dominated by Willie Mullins. He's thrown in plenty of horses into this uh, renewal again, Burning Victory, the Cheltenham Festival winner, MC Muldoon, a Galway Festival winner. Um, he's also got Great White Shark and um, Foveros and Whiskey Sour. So he's really throwing a lot of darts at this race, as he always likes to do. Nicky Henderson has a certain horse called Buzz that he's uh, entered in the race as well um, to give um, to give it a go back in, in, in Black Company. It's a always a fascinating race. George, I'll come to you first because we know that when you were claiming in, in the year 2000, so I don't know if Tom was born then. 20, <laughs> I was five. <laughs> 21 years ago. <laughs> you, you what I love about this, Tom, is how happy Jess Stafford's got this style. <laughs> proven how old I am. She's so lined this up all day, George, you know it. <laughs> you can't have been much more than 10 or 11 yourself. It must have been. I don't know how they allowed you to be claiming in 2000. But you did. And you were second in this race. Um, first of all, memories of that, because that must have been some feat coming second in a race like this, which is so unique in its setup and, and it's so competitive and there's so much heritage to it. Yeah. So I got the ride because it had a very light weight and I was tiny when I was claiming. And um, it was for Jeff Pierce. It was a horse called Wave of Optimism. He was a proper galloper and we hit the front a long way from home. And I probably may well, on in hindsight, got going too soon. But we got beaten by Martin Pipe Gamble, who's ridden by Gary, um, I think it was Gary Carter rode the horse. Um, and yeah, it was um, it was my sort of first taste of riding in, in a bigger handicap. And I absolutely loved it. It is a race, as we say, dominated by the jump trainers because they're trying to expose these these jumpers. They're trying to make most of their handicap marks, obviously, on the flat, which can be a lot, lot less than their jumps marks where they're going to have to play at, at bigger levels. Um, so we're looking at it now, MC Muldoon. He ran a very good race at Royal Ascot, Tom. Buzz, who comes into it off the back of a long break, ran at Aintree in the grade one, ran a very good race as well. He's well in at the weights because of that, because he hasn't ran on the flat for a long time. But... Calling the wind is probably the one sort of flat horse who's been running in the big flat, staying races this season, was very eye-catching at Newbury for Richard Hughes last time out. And also on top of that, Live Your Dream, who ran great in the Cesarich trial. So how, I mean, I'm just throwing out some names there and there's obviously a huge amount. There's, I think there's 36 runners uh, in total. Where, where, what, what have you picked out of this pile? Well, as you've mentioned, Willie Mullins has farmed this race in the last three years. Um, MC Muldoon figures to be his number one string after finishing second in the Ascot Stakes. I think he probably should have won that race. Um, Ryan Moore's booked again on, on jockey bookings. He looks the number one string and he's probably going to be favourite. Um, I think the fact that Ryan's on gets rid of the, the juice in the price with him. I want to look elsewhere. Um, burning victory is going to be my selection for Willie Mullins. Now, I think this has been the plan for the whole of the, you know, the summer. This is the autumn target for Burning Victory before she goes hurdling again. She's a dual purpose performer. <clears throat> she won on the flat um, in France for a former trainer and then was tried in group three company on just her fifth start. So clearly she was training well at home. They thought quite a bit of her. She moved to Willie Mullins. She won a grade three at Fairy House, then won the triumph. Um, she, obviously she wouldn't have won that race if Goshen stood up, um, but Goshen un unseated Jamie Moore at the last and Burning Victory came through and won the race. She's a very good dual purpose performer, as I mentioned. But this year, her two flat runs have come in France, which I think is very intriguing, um, trying to keep that handicap mark. 
She's also been extremely impressive both times. And last time out at Deauville, she made every yard and was at her best in the final furlong. Um, she was hit. She hit the line powerfully. She has assured assured stamina. She will get this trip no problem. There are horses in here that I don't think will stay. Calling the wind is one. Um, I know he's done well in in big field handicaps this year, but he travels so nicely. He just doesn't find too much off the bridle. I don't think if he gets into a battle late on, he'll be winning this race. But Burning Victory has a brilliant mix of tactical speed, assured stamina, and the class to win this race. And I think a mark of ninety eight with the brilliant William Buick on board makes her the best bet in this race at a double-figure price. Very interesting. Yeah, I thought those quite shrewd uh, race planning of the Willie Mullins team getting her over to France was very eye-catching. Um, she comes in with a penalty, I think, but she is uh, she do- is weighted quite favourably. But, you know, look, I'm going to have to discuss Buzz very quickly. Obviously, he, he's, he's even better weighted off 8.13, his mark of, mark of 96 on the flat, which is he's pretty well in considering his hurdle mark is 155 now um William Buick and Oshin Murphy do battle again Oshin Murphy's been booked for some time um and look all I can say is that he's in very good form this has been our plan for a while as we wanted to basically make the most of his flat mark before his jumps campaign begins which will have to be at graded level now um as he's uh he's too highly handicapped uh, over the jump so He's in great, great form. He's been working very well um, and we hope for a good run. This weather has been pretty miserable earlier on in the week. I wish it was the ground that it was at Longshaw on Sunday. He would have loved that. But I'd imagine it will be about good, on the slower side of good by Saturday. Um, and that should be fair enough for all of them. Um, but with 8.13 on his back, he won't know what life is like considering he's been used to about two stone more. So Buzz, I'm hopeful for a big run, um, but Oshin Murphy on board has probably just reduced his price even even more. Um, but look, a fascinating race, as always. Willie Mullins has farmed it over the years, so we'll see if Burning Victory can do um, it again for Tom as well as Willie. And George, any view from your, from your perspective going into this? Yeah, well, I just, um, when I was looking through um, the, the final decks, I just couldn't get away from Great White Shark. I know she's been off the track for a long time. We know she's fully affected over course and distance. And um, she's £10 higher when winning this. Was it last year she won it, didn't she? So yeah. I, I just I just felt, um, I know she's got a break to overcome. She hasn't run for 207 days. And that last one was when disappointing jumping. But we just, like a lot of these horses, when you look at this race, you're thinking, are they going to stay? Is it going to suit? I just think we know with her, this is a good setup for her. Willie Mullins' horses are always uber fit after a break. And I just think she's probably been slightly overlooked. And I think she represents quite a bit of value. Yeah, she's an interesting one. She's been taken out of a couple of races um, over this over the season, over jumps down to the ground, which has been good ground and soft ground. I think she really wants it, wants a lot of giving it. So see how that might suit her. But definitely been probably aimed for this again with Shami Heffernan on board, which is a good jockey booking. Um, okay, that's the Zarich puzzle. We hope that we can try and sort out. Um, looking um, ahead, the final race of the day, guys, Newmarket has uh, an old friend to many uh, returning to the track after 391 days off. And that is um, Barney Roy. He makes a long-awaited reappearance in the Darley Stakes um, in the 445. Uh, great to have him back, Tom. Um, this is probably a bit of a pipe opener for a winter campaign outside of these shores. Yeah, it's brilliant to have him back. He's now a seven-year-old. He was a fantastic horse for Richard Hannon um, and now obviously for Charlie Appleby. 
he has returned from long breaks before. You, you know, he we went to stud, didn't he, originally, um, and then came back to race again after 500-odd days off, and he reproduced his best. He finished second at Ascot on his reappearance, then won a listed race at Longchamp. So there is the, the odd chance that Barney Roy may come back and make a winning reappearance, which will be great. He's been a brilliant horse, and, and hopefully he, he retains all of his ability. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty amazing training feat, isn't it, um, George, to get a horse back on track after breaks, after trying to be a, a sire that's not worked out, and to continue to do quite well. And I actually think uh, a lot of his form. He, um, I think he he where where did he go at some point? He was uh, in Munich at some point, and you know he won he he won a big group one over there. He's been sort of everywhere, and he always always runs a solid race a bit like Ben Battle in the sense that he's hardy he's game he's a, just such a genuine sort yeah he's just a he's a top class horse and um we chat about him when he was at Hannans he was a he was a real deal there and obviously Godolphin bought him he went to stud and came that didn't work out for him unfortunately he was gelded and then he I I I was lucky enough to be at Chilapoos one morning and saw him when he was on the comeback trail and he retains all his enthusiasm. It's not an easy thing to do. You need a horse with a certain mindset to be able to go to stud and that not work out and then come back to, to having the mindset to apply themselves and try on the racetrack again. But he's obviously very straightforward like that. He's in a different league to these horses, in my opinion. You know, he's a, he, he, when we saw him winning last time in Baden-Baden, he won, a, won the group one over there. He's just a really, really strong type and... Even if he's not quite at his best on his first run back, he's still good enough to win this race, in my opinion. And obviously, as you said, Jess, he's got international camp um, targets later on in the year. Um, and I'm sure the carnival will be, be be sort of his end goal as such. He's going to take on another Godolphin sort and Bedouin story. He was the kind of shock winner of the Cambridgeshire and he comes into this into group company now. But Barney Roy, interestingly, the last time he ran, even though it was last September 2020, he beat none other than Torquato Tasso. Um, he, he won the race. Torquato Tasso was third that day. So the form's been franked anyway. Um, and uh, it'll be great to have him, have him back on track uh, as now as a seven-year-old, I think he is. So um, an, an interesting contender. The boys in blue, guys, are dominating the betting for most of it. Bar this is average, pretty much all the races on on Saturday at Newmarket, they're just flying. And even I can, the Zetland State, they have her feet, they have gold. But Tom, it looks like Godolphin are just going from strength to strength, which has also been confirmed in how they've been buying at Tassels this week as well. Yeah, exactly. They had a couple of down years, didn't they, Wade? No, Brian and, and the Coolmore team seem to be dominating everything. But Godolphin have really now, since Massar won the derby, they've really kicked on. They found a load of talented horses over all distances, um, from sprinting to, to middle distances in the classics. They have lots of promising newcomers as well. Um, still to come out this year, there was a horse that ran at Newmarket on Saturday. I think his name was Al Nafir, who finished second. I think he has a big future as well. Um, Charlie Appleby is just an excellent trainer. He's done really well with his his targets over in the US as well, um, sending horses like Althika, Summer Romance over there, Walton Street, one at Woodbine. Um, he's going to have a brilliant Breeders' Cup as well. So just a phenomenal year for Godolphin. It's probably going to get better this Saturday. I think the native trail, Caribus double, will be very popular among punters. Absolutely. And look, so look forward to dissecting the Breeders' Cup at some stage with you, Tom, because that is going to be a pretty epic um, Breeders' Cup championship. And as I say, the turf looks home, a turf races at home and host of the Europeans as we stand. So a lot to look forward to. Um, as you say, that, that native trail, Caribus double, looked pretty tasty. 
Um, I think we've come to uh, the end of looking at having a real look at these races, but it'd be great to get a nap from each of you and an each way play as well for the weekend. I'll start with you, George. Um, if, if you please, we need to redeem ourselves from last week. Um, we won't, we don't need to re-mention it. Um, but let's uh, revitalize ourselves and, um, and do a little better. What is your nap in your each way for this weekend? So my best bet for the weekend is I am going to do a Godolphin uh, double, but it's not. It's going to be Native Trail and Barney Roy. Um, I just think that um, both horses turn up on their A game and Barney Roy's fit and healthy. They're going to be very, very hard to beat. So I think that's a good double. And my each way bet is in the Czarich. I think the Great White Shark is going to be a, a, a decent price. And I know you're concerned about the ground, but I think it would be um, it's a different kind of ground this time of year, and I think it's going to be safe, goodish, good to soft ground, and it should be fine for her. Brilliant, absolutely, definitely safe ground, definitely, definitely nice, nice ground here after a good bit of rain and the autumnal dewy feeling everywhere makes it, it helps that as well. Tom, your nap and your each way selection. Now I've got a question for you, Jess. Before I give you my nap, am I allowed to nap in the US? Oh gosh. Um, if not, um, I've got an English nap as well. So, give us give it both of them to us because we'll definitely follow them. Okay, cool. Right, the US nap is the Vosper Stakes at Belmont Park on Saturday, seven forty-five. A sprinter called Baby Yoda. Don't think he can be beaten. Um, the English nap would be Burning Victory and Cesarich. I just think she's got a great chance. Been prepped for the race. Um, this has always been her target. And Willie Mullins just has a great record. So yeah, Burning Victory at double figure price um, in Cesarich. Okay, Bernie victory, and if that doesn't come through to get us out of trouble, we can we can go to America. And in each and your each race selection, please. Yeah, the each race selection is Dubai Legend. I think Native Trail probably wins the Dewhurst, um, but a twenty to one or, or whatever price Dubai Legend is now with the dead eight runners, I think he's got a good chance of hitting the frame. Brilliant, thank you for that. Um, right on to myself. Um, it's a it's a tricky one. I I I've got my heart and head. I hate napping any of our own horses but I'm going to have to do it I have to nap Buzz he as I said he's been trained for this race he is in brilliant form Nicky Henderson's horses are in great form as well and to add to that his work partner um, Impulsive One has been hacking up every time he runs and that's a very good sign for how fit Buzz is as well so I'm very happy with him um, going into this race and then outside of that, my each way play will be Gloomthorn for the Coolmore team in the Dewhurst. I think he's overpriced um, based on what he's done and the form that's been franked left, right and centre. So happy to stick with him. Um, guys, great to chat to you. Great to dissect what looks to be a great weekend of racing. Um, plenty, plenty to look forward to. And I hope it's successful for both of you guys. Well, thank you very much for joining us again for um, episode three of the SBK Betting Podcast. We'll back, be back again next week with more special guests as we look ahead to the Champions Day, which finally, after many years, looks like it's going to be good or better ground than most years. So a lot to look forward to then. But thanks to Tom and thanks to George. And best of luck with your weekend selections. <laughs> <laughs>